I'm not supposed to be here. I was told I would die before my 28th birthday, yet I am 50 years old. I'm a wife, a mother, a grandmother, and I have an amazing life despite living with two terminal illnesses. It's time for me to share my story before I can't. So here it goes. I'm Kelly Wilson, and this is my life in pieces. Hello, everyone. Today's episode is one I've been so excited about since the moment I met this special lady. She's a talented photographer, recognized as one of Fredericton's top three wedding photographers. She's a boss when it comes to juggling, running a business, and life. She's a military wife, mother of twins, a dear friend, and what most people don't know is she was once a surrogate. I'm so excited to introduce you all to Madison Massey. Welcome, Madison. How are you today? Hi, Callie. I'm great. How are you? I'm doing good. So surrogacy is something that a lot of us don't know much about, um, especially me. So what led you to your decision to become a surrogate? Uh, For me, to give you the short version, I found out that two people really close to me were struggling silently. And at the time, I had just given birth to two healthy little boys, which was completely unplanned. And when I found out that these people were struggling, I was really affected by it. And I originally I had looked into donating my eggs. And after a lot of conversation with my husband and I, we decided that we didn't necessarily want a baby to be out there that we couldn't really have a relationship with and our kids would never meet, but it would be their sibling. So we ruled that out. And then one day we were just sitting watching TV and I had been in the mindset of like, maybe I'll carry for these people. Like these friends of ours, like maybe I could carry their baby. Like I could do that. I, I didn't mind. I loved being pregnant. I didn't mind being pregnant with twins, but I wanted to have a singleton pregnancy. So for me, I just, we were sitting watching TV and I said, what if I carried a baby? And the rest was history. My husband said, yeah, you were pretty hot when you were pregnant, which I was not because I was <laughs> pregnant with twins. Like, you're such a liar. But our friends were able to conceive a little girl and I was still in that headspace that I wanted to help somebody. And you know how when you're on Facebook and sometimes you'll be talking about something and the ads will pop up randomly, a surrogacy yeah. ad popped up on Facebook and that was it. Like I signed up right then and there. Wow. Well, take us through what the process is and how did you find the people that would be the parents to this child? So it was very much like a dating website. So we had to... We had to connect on like our religious views, anything really. I specifically wanted to have a relationship with the child and the family afterwards. So that was something I had put into my bio. And then it was just like, I got this website full of these parents longing to have a baby or have a second baby. And I like spent hours going through these. For me, I, I don't know how, like I was just very drawn to this couple, but I wanted somebody that made me laugh. And when I looked at Marianne and Scott's profile, the first time there was a picture of them in golfing attire in like Florida or something golfing. 
And I could just tell that she hated golfing. Like, she did not want to be there. He loved it. You could tell he was, like, that business guy. He loved golfing. And you could just tell she was so out of place. And I laughed out loud. So I sent them my bio. And I sent I had sent a couple of people my bio at that point. And then from that point, it's the intended parent's responsibility to pick. So however many bios they got, they ended up selecting us because they – Loved our wedding photo. My photo was our wedding photo with our six-month-old twins on our sides. And they were very attracted to that. Because to be a surrogate, you have to have kids. So that was a huge thing is, like, you have to have kids. And they were like, okay, she has six-month-olds and she wants to do this. She might be a little bit crazy, but <laughs> they're they're crazy, too. So we meshed well. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So... Obviously, you weren't afraid to be pregnant because you'd been pregnant with twins. But what other fears um, did you have going into this? I, when I went into it, I never had the fear that most people have or most people thought I would have that I would want to keep the baby. Everybody always said that to me. That was the furthest thing from my mind. I was a new mom of twins. And like bringing another baby into my life was the last thing I wanted to do. So For me, I think my biggest fear, honestly, was something horrible happening to me and leaving my kids without a mother in the pursuit of giving somebody else a child. It felt very selfish and scary to me at times. And then other moments, it felt very, I just, I felt a lot of pride in what I was trying to do. But that would have been my only fear, leaving Mason and Bentley without a mom. Wow. That, and that's a, that's a big one. And, yeah. you know, and needles. Is, uh, <laughs> I, can't, yeah. I don't handle needles. Well, I know you do, Kelly, you take them like a champ. <laughs> but well, only because I have to not because I want to. <laughs> um, so during this time, what did your husband and your family feel about it? Because, you know, this was a child that wasn't going to be raised by you. And and I'm sure that, you know, some people just didn't understand the process or what was going to happen. Absolutely. Like my husband was a hundred percent on board. And right from the get go, I said, if at any point in time you change your mind and you're not on board with this, that's it. I'm pulling out. Like I need your hundred percent support. Or I can't do this. And I don't think, that's me being complacent wife. I just, I needed him to back me up, but we had two kids to think about and he need, he was my priority at that point. So once he was hundred percent on board, nobody else could stop me as much as they tried. We handled a lot of backlash for our decision. Um, we told our families around Christmas time and our boys weren't even a year old yet. They were about a month from turning one. So Everybody thought we were crazy and Maddie and Carl are up to their silly antics and all this crazy stuff. But um, telling my in-laws was probably the easiest for me because they've always been so supportive and loving. And while we know they didn't necessarily love that choice for our, our life, they still supported us. And when we had to go to appointments and we came, we were in Ontario for our appointments, they would take the boys and watch them for us. So their response was probably the easiest for me to stomach because they're like, you know what? It's your life. Do you, we wouldn't necessarily do it ourselves, but if this is what you guys want to do, we're going to support you in any way we can. So theirs was great. 
honestly, my family's really sucked, excluding my brothers and my sister-in-laws. And my husband's brother and sister-in-law were also extremely supportive. So, but my family was really rough. My dad didn't talk to me for most of my pregnancy. He refused to even believe I was doing it. He told me that it was against what God wanted because my dad is a very religious man. And for me, I just didn't see it that way. And we didn't see eye to eye. And that hadn't been the first time we didn't see eye to eye. And then I think my mom, who's like my best friend, it was hard for me to go against her. But she was very fear driven, which I get. She had the same fears as me as of leaving Mason and Bentley. And like I had, they weren't even walking yet. Like they were still attached to me. And I was talking about carrying someone else's baby. So all in all, I didn't get the best response, but I knew I was going to be met with backlash eventually. And I was already in the game and I was like, I was ready. So I, nobody could have stopped me at that point. Well, that just, to me, shows your strength because, <laughs> you know, your own family and For stubbornness, um, you know, <laughs> yeah, but being, being against that, that would have been hard to overcome and, and, uh, but to do what you believed in and felt strongly about, you know, kudos to you. Yeah. Um, did you guys have any setbacks during your journey with anything? Um, so when you actually, for my case, I did everything in Toronto, which is where the intended parents are from in that area. So we would do, I would do flights back and forth to Toronto to go to a fertility clinic, which was a very different experience for me. And I know there's probably people listening right now that have been in a fertility clinic and it's like, it's scary and it's intimidating and there's a lot going on in them. But, um, the only setback for me was we <laughs> when I was in the clinic and they told me I had to give myself these like oh they were probably like two maybe one and a half inches long no they were longer than that they were like finger length <laughs> needles <laughs> I'd love to belittle it but they sucked they're like finger length needles and they're like well you're gonna put these in your backside every single day for 12 weeks into your pregnancy and you're also going to do this for four weeks leading up to the embryo transfer which is like the big day and I was like um say what I'm definitely not doing that (laughs) but I got that needle pack and I did my first one in front of Mariana and honestly I was like I used to have to be pinned down as a child to take a needle but I was putting needles in my backside once a day every single morning and I'm still so shocked that I did that for somebody else. <laughs> wow. But that was my biggest uh, setback, I think, was finding out that I had to do needles and then overcoming it. And our first, the first transfer that we did, it failed around eight weeks. And that was really hard. Like, I, I have had a miscarriage in the past and... I was not nearly as affected with my own as I was with theirs because I just felt like I was letting them down. And I took on their emotions at the same time. And I definitely didn't. They were so loving and so sweet and just very calming. And they're honestly two of the best people that I know. But I, I knew how heartbroken they were, even if they didn't show me. And that was a really hard point when we 
when we found out, because I had come, I had flown back to Fredericton. I'd taken a pregnancy test because when the embryos transferred, it's pretty far along. So within like, I mean, there's, they say a week. I think I did a pregnancy test in the middle, like at Shoppers Drug Mart one night because I couldn't make it home. But when I came back and they did the test and they said there wasn't a heartbeat, that was like a very hard moment for me. And experiencing it with the parents right beside you, knowing that it's their baby, that was that was our biggest setback, I think, out of everything. The needles were nothing compared to that. So when that happened and how hard that was, did you know you were, you know, there was no question that you were just going to continue on with the process and try again? Or was there any part of you that just thought, nope, this is too hard, too much? Um, I mean, when I had to have the DNC, it was a pretty wild experience. And I when I found out there wasn't a heartbeat, they flew me back to Fredericton for two days and then they flew me back to Ontario and they officially like ruled out there's no heartbeat and that they need to do a DNC. And honestly, going through that experience without Carl, because he had stayed home to work and our kids were in preschool or in daycare at the time, um, going through that was really hard and not really, I mean, I could tell my parents, but my dad really wanted nothing to, like he didn't want anything to do with me and my mom was just scared so it was just like bringing her fears and she kind of egged me on a little bit and made me more afraid but when I came out of my DNC and Mariana was standing there and they brought me back to their house and they gave me blankets and we rented a movie and they ordered me food and it was very emotional coming out of that knowing I wasn't pregnant anymore but they were just a hundred percent supportive and Although they knew that it it just failed, they shifted their focus to me. And that's when I knew that, like, if I'm going to do this, like, I don't want to do it for anybody else. So I'm going to stick it out with them. If it fails again, we'll revisit. But I knew I was going to try again because of how nurturing they were after I had that procedure. And I barely remember that. It was such a blur. But I just remember sitting on their couch in their house and typically you don't really go to your intended parents houses you stay in a hotel when you go when you go for treatments and things like that but they right from the get-go they were they became such good friends so anytime I went to see them or have something done I stayed with them so I knew yeah they felt like family I knew I could try again that's awesome (laughs) that that was so special so now take me to uh when you did um, get pregnant and you were, you know, getting to the end of your pregnancy with Clark. Yeah, I rocked my pregnancy with him. <laughs> Honestly, I, I felt so good. I had lots of energy. It was so different from the twin pregnancy for me where I could literally sleep all night and all day. I... I still continue to work a lot of like my clients, if you're listening to me, you probably saw me pregnant at some point. I still continue to work and um, surrogacy in Canada is not like I wasn't paid, but I was given reimbursement. So I was able to put Mason and Bentley in full time daycare during the week. So I could go to appointments and do things like that. Um, so for me, I just had a very relaxing pregnancy. And when I got close to delivering, Mary and Scott actually 
flew out um, for about a week leading up. No, probably more than that. I'm not great with my facts. She's way better. <laughs> but they came out right before and he was delivered in Fredericton. Because after the 12 week point, I was seen by my own doctors here. I didn't have to do any more flying back and forth. So take me into the delivery room when he was born. <laughs> and, and oh, I, not that I want to be there, but I want you to make me feel like I was. No. So <laughs> for me, we had had a long discussion and I was absolutely totally fine with Marina and Scott being in the room and I felt like that was a very crucial thing for me because as much as as much as I didn't want to keep him by any means and I still I ne- I've never felt like I wanted to keep him the not having them in the room I was very afraid that the nurses or the doctor might put him on me and I did not want that skin to skin or anything like that I wanted him to come out of me and go right to his mother <laughs> So I actually uh, thought, like, I'm all for epidurals, like, all the way. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, if you can do it without, you're a rock star, but I cannot. <laughs> so I, we, like, we had to agree on all those things. We had to agree on, yes, she's having epidural. No, she's not. Mariana was like, give her all the drugs she wants. <laughs> so I had <laughs> morphine. I had fentanyl. I had my epidural. And... It was just like Carl on one side of me, Scott being awkward and taking selfies on the other side of me, and Mariana just like pacing because she cannot stand still. And it was just a very surreal experience. And at that point, um, their family members had also flown in, like Scott's parents and Mariana's mom were also, they'd also flown to Fredericton, which was pretty crazy. And it was just... Uh, I didn't, I didn't know that it was going to be so calm. Like Mason and Bentley were very frantic and scary. And doctors were always checking on me because I was high risk and I was induced with them and I was induced with Clark, but Clark was just ready to come. It didn't take too long to induce me. I didn't have to jump back and forth too much. And when he was actually ready to come. I had been holding Carl's hand and I started to squeeze it really hard. And he has a very high pain tolerance, but he's like, you're in a lot more pain than you usually are. And I was like, yes. And we had been waiting hours for me to dilate at this point. We were all getting frustrated (laughs) with my body. And he was like, you're squeezing my hand really hard. And then the nurse comes in and she's like, okay, well, and I started to feel a lot of pain and I was starting to cry and sweat and do all these things. And the nurse came in and she's like, okay, so your epidural's worn off and so is your fentanyl. So right now you're feeling everything. I'm like, wonderful. Pump me back full. Thank you. And she's like, here's the thing. We can, we can give you the epidural and you can wait or you can push this baby out right now because you're 10 centimeters and then all that pain's going to go away anyways. And I was like, oh, okay. This is like one of my biggest fears was pushing this baby out with no medication. And I was like, okay, well, I have a little bit left in me. Like, let's do it. And he came out so easy. It was like just the best experience. And honestly, like I love the epidural. And if I have another baby, I will ask for one. But it was not the end of the world knowing when to push. 
But Mariana caught him because I really didn't care who saw my hoo-ha at that point. Like, doctors had come in at that point. <laughs> and I was like, she's like, do you mind? I'm like, no. Like, this is your baby. He's he's coming out. And he's going right to you. And Scott kind of stayed off to the side a little bit because he's, he's a man. And Carl held my hand the whole time. And, yeah, Clark, he just he just came into the world. And then Carl and I were we looked at each other and we just both started to cry and like we weren't sad or we were very happy but we were just relieved because carrying this baby for somebody else was so scary all the time like I I fell one time and it was the scariest experience ever I fell when I was pregnant with the boys and I was like oh I'm fine <laughs> but just like that relief right. of because I watched him like come out of me and go straight into her arms and like she didn't even wrap him like he just went right on her and she was so ready to be a mother they had suffered loss at that point and so much infertility and just setback after setback that when he finally came out and was placed in her arms that was like what I wanted that was the main thing I wanted to give someone I can just imagine the emotion in that room and I feel it, it right now. I feel like I want to cry. Yeah, I can, I can just. It was oh, overwhelming. So yeah, I can imagine. Um, probably even for the nurses and yeah. doctor and. Well, my favorite there. moment, at, like excluding him actually being out of my body <laughs> was when he went to the NICU, Carl and I were kind of sitting by ourselves and that nurse, the nurse, that nurse, I did not like her, but she came in to do that horrible, like pushing on your belly thing. And like, if you've had a baby recently, you know exactly what I'm talking about, but she came in to do that. And I kind of felt left out at that point. Like that was very painful to have that done. And he had gone for a little bit cause he had swallowed some fluid and out of nowhere, like his grandparents showed up and came in and hugged me and thanked me and that was like the moment that I realized that this family was going to be part of my family forever because they weren't all just hyper focused on this baby everybody wanted to know how Maddie and Carl were doing too and that was so special for me because I know a lot of people that don't get that experience and I'm very fortunate that I did so what type of relationship do you have with Clark and his parents now then in saying all that <laughs> here is my little bugger and I get updates of him all the time my kids are going to have a close relationship with him like when we go home to visit our family for Christmas and summer it's like they're on our list to go and see they're part of our family and Mariana and I we texted every day through my pregnancy, and I do not mean that lightly every single day. <laughs> but when he oh was God. born, she kind of shifted into mom mode, and I went back to normal life. And we had a little bit where we didn't talk all the time, but it felt normal to us. Like, it wasn't like we were avoiding each other. And now, like, we probably get in contact a couple times a month, and she'll send me pictures and videos. But he is near he's in Toronto close to my family so whenever we go home he's a priority to go and see for me and get a picture and see him grow and I'm just so I'm just so happy for them every time I see a picture of him and I forget sometimes that I did it honestly 
it feels like it was a long time ago. (laughs) I know, but you did do that. You brought them, you brought that little boy into their lives and how special (laughs) is that? And so how did it impact you and your life and you as a person? I think it made me realize that I'm equally strong and stubborn. Um, I have, <laughs> I have a, a much better relationship with my dad now and we don't talk about it, but he knows it happened and it's my thing and it's my life. And like, I'm, I'm, I was 24 years old at the time, but I wasn't going to let anybody stop me. But I think it just made me very appreciative of my kids. And I definitely have those days where I literally could put them through the drywall. (laughs) And I use that term all the time, but I love them and I'm thankful that I could have them. And I'm, I'm, it made me grateful that I can carry my own kids and I don't have to go to those extreme measures because having a surrogate is not, it's not cheap. It's not easy. And there's a lot that goes into it. And right now they're Marion and Scott are looking for another surrogate and the people that they're working with are like, you got to lower your standards. Like Maddie was really good. <laughs> so I'm just, I'm happy that I could give them that experience. If, if Clark is the only one that they have, I'm happy that that was their experience with me. And it was a positive one. And that moment when he came out of the NICU and they were walking down the hallway holding hands and Scott had Clark in the car seat beside him. That was something I'd pictured the whole time. Like I was going to get to that moment. I didn't care what I had to do. If I had to do needles the whole nine months, I would have done it because that was like my focus. I, I wanted to give somebody that love that Mason and Bentley give to us. And I was able to do it. And I don't, I mean, I do tell people about it, but I don't want people to judge me about it because we did have people judge us in negative ways but I feel like I'm a lot stronger person for doing it well (laughs) I I can't even imagine but I want to thank you so much for allowing us to know more about surrogacy and your personal experience which is amazing and I feel that it's it's one of the most wonderful gifts you can give to someone and you are such a selfless and caring person and it blows me away every time I think of it. And so thanks again, Madison, for, for letting us in on your story. And I'm sure that, uh, you know, everyone's going to want (laughs) to listen to this one intently. Thanks for having me, Kelly. (laughs)